Well, you can grab a seat if you have one. And welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, I have to, I mean, it's the first week, so howdy. Oh, man, there we go. Oh, I'm so excited. So excited to be here with you guys. So excited that you have chosen to spend some time with us here this morning. Uh, my name is Jacob Smith. And one of the first things that I want to tell you is that we have another one of these, okay? We have a 7 o'clock college worship service in this room, same place, uh, not the same time, 7 p.m. tonight. So if you are thinking, man, I don't know about this guy's use of acts this morning, right? It's a bit strong or like there's an elbow in my neck. And so I, maybe I don't want to come back to this and maybe, you know, deal with that. We have a 7 p.m. service that you are more than welcome to come to. Exact same thing. It's a little bit more laid back, a little bit more chill. Other than that, same message, same worship, all same. So please, please, please use that as an opportunity to relieve some of this pressure if you are so inclined. Uh, Like I said, my name is Jacob Smith. I've been on staff here in the college ministry for about a year. Uh, I've been married for about four and a half years to the lovely Susan Smith, who's right back there in the striped dress and waving. There you go. And she is my beautiful bride. She is also my baby mama. Uh, We are having a... We are my number one baby mama. And we are... Having our number one first child this December. So in case you were, wa- I know, it's exciting. So in case you are, uh, you see her and you're like, why is that petite woman smuggling a volleyball out of the building? It's not a volleyball. It's just my daughter, okay, who I hope looks exactly like a volleyball and will be six feet tall so she can play volleyball. Um, but welcome one and all. We're so glad you guys are here. We're so glad you fought the traffic and the crowds. And uh, we're so glad that you fought even just this room to be here right now. And the reality is that, man, this is a new beginning, right? The reality is that you are here because semester is about to start. Whether you're a class of 2018 Yay! or a class of 2015 Yay! or a class of 13. <laughs> good, good, good. Just wanted... <laughs> They took, I just want to make sure they cleared out 2010. It's all right, I'm alone. Uh, No matter which class you are, the reality is that you have become scarily efficient at answering two questions. So good at answering two specific questions in every new beginning. You are so good at answering the questions of where are you from and what's your major, right? You've answered that question a thousand times in the past... 10 hours. You've answered that question probably since you've been in this room. Where are you from? What's your major? And you've learned through time and experience, whether you're a freshman or a senior, you've learned that when you get that question, where are you from? They generally don't know the town you're from, right? Like if you're not from Dallas or Houston, they don't really know. And so you've learned to follow up your town name with its distance from one of those cities, right? They ask, where, where are you from? You say, uh, Denver? Uh, it's, uh, it's like 12 hours from Dallas. Oh, Okay, right? And then they get it. They're like, oh, all right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you put them at ease, right? Because they're like, okay, I know, I know that, right? So we, we can answer those questions. We're answering the question of what's your major? And the reality is that generally speaking, certain majors have certain expectations along with them, certain assumptions about you. I found out when I was a freshman, I would tell people I started in uh, the business school in accounting. <laughs> but then I saw the light and switched into history. <laughs> yeah good for you. Uh, but I found out when I was telling people that I was in accounting, uh, they would ask me, like, what's your major? I'd be like, oh, I'm in accounting. And they would just immediately just like, oh, really? That's so... And they just like go 
into this kind of trance of like math, okay. And so my roommate and I, who was all, my roommate was also in accounting, uh, we decided about halfway through our first week uh, when they asked us, hey, what's your major? We started, we would kind of pull them aside and be like, hey, well, uh, actually we are grad students employed by the university to go through a typical freshman year as a sort of like internal audit sort of system. And we're just, we're making reports on what it's like to be a freshman these days. And some of the, you know, we cleared it up for most people, uh, but some of those people I never saw again. Uh, so <laughs> they might be living somewhere thinking that AM has the most incredible quality assurance program uh, in the nation. Uh, but we've learned, right? We've learned that as we're answering those questions, man, they just keep on coming. Why? why? Like, why do we ask those same questions time and time, year after year? Why do we ask those questions? It's because on some level, what we know is when we meet a new person, what we want to understand is kind of who they are on the most basic level. And on the most basic level of any person, it's their life trajectory. In order to calculate a trajectory, I know, math, you have to have two points. And you ask them, okay, well, well, where are you from and then where are you going? That's what you're asking. You're saying, where are you from? Where are you going? Because I want to kind of understand where are you headed? What's your direction? Who are you on that most basic level? Because the reality is that we all have an origin and we all have a destination. We all have a beginning and we all have an end. And we want to try to understand that about one another because it's something we all have in common. And as we're seeking to understand that, as we're asking those questions, what's so tragic is that many times a lot of us have a lot of pain associated with those answers. The reality is that we're not all from somewhere great going somewhere awesome. The reality is that some of us are deeply pained by where we came from. Whether you're a freshman or a senior, looking back four years, ten years, one year, you look back and you've made mistakes and you've got disappointments and there was abuse and there is shame associated with your beginning. And what's so tragic is that so many of us have the same amount of pain with where we're headed, with where our future is, with where our end goal lands because of self-doubt or fear or because of addiction or uncertainty and we find ourselves answering those questions and almost pushing to the side all this pain that, that's truly tied in to those answers. The truth is, that's where we are. But the beauty is that we have a God. We have a God who freely offers a new beginning and a new end for anyone who would accept it. We have a God who offers a new origin and a new destination for anyone. Whether you are a Christian or not, God loves you. And he wants to restore every aspect of your being, including where you're from and where you're going. We have a God who loves restoration, who loves to move into brokenness and make things new to give new beginnings. That's why this semester, uh, we're actually going to be walking through the book of Song of Songs. And we're looking at how God brings restoration to relationships, how God brings restoration to our lives, to our interactions with other people. The series is not going to be a how-to date. It's not going to be a how-to-get-married-by-the-time-you-have-your-aggy-ring. It's not going to be this study on how to have a great relationship. Because our goal is not to have great relationships. 
Hear me when I tell you our goal, our destination as believers is not to have great relationships. Our goal is to pursue relationships that glorify God, both in and out of that relationship. We are seeking to glorify the Lord. We are seeking to have relationships that sing God's song over all the noise of our culture. That's our goal. That's where we want to be. That's where God wants us to be. That's why he wants to bring restoration. We look through our scripture. The entire Bible is one giant story of God seeking to restore the world. To bring new beginnings to everyone. And we don't have time this morning to go through the entire Bible, unfortunately. We don't even have time this morning really to get into the Song of Songs. Instead, what I realized as I was preparing and as God was leading my prep for this morning, I realized, man, a lot of you, this is going to be the one time you're with us. This is going to be the one week that you're here. Because the reality is that some of you are going to connect with one of the other just hundreds of amazing churches that are here. You're going to go to Antioch, you're going to go to Brazos Fellowship, you're going to wind up at Central, and you're going to find a community there, and you're going to find people there that resonate with you, and people, maybe you have friends that are already there, and you're going to plug in there, and that's awesome, and I love that, and I want you to do that. I want you to be where the Lord leads you, but because of that, what I want us to do this morning, what God led me to this morning, was something a little bit more basic, something a little bit more, not basic, but broad, a broader picture of what does setting our trajectory look like? Where are we headed as just general believers? Not necessarily specifically in relationships, not necessarily over the span of the whole Bible, but where are we setting our trajectories? This morning, we're going to talk about that on an individual basis. Next week, we're going to talk about that on a church-wide, on a community-wide basis. How do we set our trajectories according to the Lord's will? What are the new beginnings and new ends that he's offered us? And to find that, what we're looking at is a really specific example in the life of a guy named Timothy. Now, Timothy was a guy who, Acts 16 tells us, that he came from a mixed home, a split family. Uh, His mother was a Jew and his father was a Greek. And and sometime in there, his mother became a believer. Uh, We don't know about his father, but he sought out older, wiser counsel. And so he got plugged in with a guy named Paul, the Apostle Paul, who wrote a lot of our scripture. And Paul almost adopted Timothy. He calls Timothy, in fact, his true son in the faith. And Timothy traveled with Paul on lots of different journeys to different churches until eventually they hit this one church in Ephesus, the church that Paul wrote the book of Ephesians to. And Paul said, hey, Timothy, I want you to stay here in Ephesus. They really need your help. As much as I want you to be with me, I'm going to leave you here in Ephesus. And so Paul left Timothy there, and Paul would, though, write letters back to him. That's where our books, First Timothy and Second Timothy, come from. Paul writing letters to Timothy while he's stationed in Ephesus. And so in Second Timothy chapter 1, what we see is Paul writing his last letter to Timothy, possibly his final letter of his entire life. This is near the end of Paul's life. And he's telling Timothy this basic idea of restoration. He's telling Timothy about this basic idea of trajectories. And he starts off by telling Timothy, kind of reminding Timothy of where he came from. He tells him, Timothy, I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, Timothy, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. But Timothy, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois, your mother Eunice, 
and now I am sure, dwells in you as well. Opening of Paul's letter to Timothy, says, Timothy, I miss you, man. I want to be with you. But you know what, Timothy, you know what I'm really grateful for? Your grandma. Your grandma, Timothy. (laughs) Oh, low, right? She's the best. And if you're reading this, you're probably wondering, well, what in the world? Like, why? I mean, this is, again, like, Paul's like, finally, this should be like somber. It should be like, Timothy, like, my brother, my my son, you know. It should be this overwhelming. But he says, hey, uh, man, your grandmother, though. Gosh, what a gal. (laughs) What a sweet old thing. Why? Paul's reminding Timothy, look, Timothy, I don't know where you are right now. I don't know how exactly things are falling out in Ephesus, but Timothy, I want you to remember something bigger. I want you to remember something deeper, something more in your past. Timothy, I want you to look at your roots. Timothy, who are the people you came from? Lois, Eunice. Timothy, that's your root. That's where you're from. Timothy, these women, these strong women in the faith who led you to faith. Timothy, remember your people. This is Timothy's Simba Lion King moment. Where Simba's in the field, and he gets led in by a monkey, and he's like, what's going on? And the monkey's like, ooh, look. <laughs> and Simba's like, ah, what? And all of a sudden, he sees this reflection. He looks up, and he's like, I didn't know Aslan was in Lion King. <laughs> but then he realizes it's his father, Mufasa. And Mufasa's a Simba, Simba, remember who you are. Simba's like, I don't know who I am. He says, you are my son. You are my son, Simba. (laughs) And then it cuts to Simba's face, and I almost showed a picture, but it was just, it was too awkward. Because he's just like, ah! And he's just so amazed. And he's so excited. He's like, oh my gosh, Dad, you're right. Like, that's who I am. I am a lion. I should be king. I am the lion king. You know, like, that's the moment. And so we find, man, there's this idea of our roots. Our roots are powerful. Where we come from is so powerful. The people are so powerful. That's what Paul is saying. He says, look at the people from where you're from, Timothy. Look at your mother. Look at your grandmother. For you, you have people who have been powerful influences in your life, whether it was your parent or your grandparent or a youth leader or a pastor or just a friend. If you are a believer, there is probably a person or two or three or four involved in that process. We have people that we should remember. And if you feel like you don't have that, if you've never had that, or if you feel like you're a little bit stranded, right? Grandma doesn't answer your calls as frequently as she used to. We have small groups here in College Station that are available for you. At Grace, we have grow groups, start groups that you can join to have men and women that you can rally around, that you can be honest with, that can encourage you, challenge you, that you can turn all the lights on with. You can find that with different organizations on campus, with other churches in town. Please find a community of believers. Find your Eunice, your Lois. Find those people who can rally around you, that can be part of where you're from. But Paul says it's not just your grandmother, Timothy. I also want to remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Paul says, Timothy, I don't want to just remind you about your grandmother. I'm going to remind you about the gifts that God has given you, the gifts that he provided for you. He talks about this laying on of hands. This can mean a couple different things. Either Paul could be saying, there was a a moment where I was laying hands on you where that took place. He could also be meaning uh, what I think is he's probably saying, look, Timothy, uh, rather than through the laying on hands, it's according to the laying on of hands. It's another translation. 
In other words, my laying on of hands, it signified, it recognized gifts that were already present in your life. It recognized something that you already had. Timothy, remember that moment. Look back to that moment. Look back to those gifts. The same moment when you walked across your high school graduation stage and you saw that principal or whoever and they hand you the diploma. In that moment, you aren't suddenly pi r squared, uh, the capital of Kansas is Topeka. Like you don't have suddenly just transfer information into your brain. When you get that diploma, you are recognizing that you've been studying and learning for a time that there's already knowledge present in your mind. Paul is saying, look, there is a time where I recognize these gifts in your life. So Timothy, remember. Remember these gifts. Remember that God didn't just give you people, he gave you abilities, powers. What abilities have you been given by the Lord? What can you do? What's your thing? You were created by God with a purpose, and that purpose includes your abilities. That purpose includes your passions. What fires you up? What can you just not stop talking about? What can you not stop thinking about? Even though your friends are all like, stop talking and thinking about it. You just can't. What is that? Because God has more than likely put that in your life. If it's something according to his will, something that lines up with his character and his purposes, that's something from him. Remember those gifts. And Paul explains, look, I need you to be grounded in this stuff, Timothy. I need you to remember those people and those abilities because, Timothy, the truth is, is that there is going to be a storm coming. It says, Timothy, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us, called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace. Paul says, Timothy, look, I want you to be aware that there is suffering coming. There are storms that are about to hit. And so, Timothy, in order to weather those storms, you've got to be grounded in what? In the grace of God, in the gospel of God, in the fact that, Timothy, you didn't do anything to put yourself in God's family. You didn't do anything to make you stand out above the rest. Timothy, God called you. Timothy, God gave you grace in Jesus Christ, in Christ Jesus, before the ages began which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ Jesus, who abolished death, brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Paul says, Timothy, before you even existed, Timothy, before the world came into being, you were chosen by God. Timothy, God had a plan for you. He's called you. And you've got to remember that because there are storms coming. When I was growing up through high school, man, I, I uh, had a really great youth uh, experience. The last few years of high school, I had a small group of guys, about 20 or so of us, that just rallied around one another, made a lot of mistakes together, but all, mostly all of us repented of those mistakes together. And it was a beautiful experience of growth and learning and finding community with those guys who are still my brothers to this day. And part of what made that possible was the fact that we had two leaders that were just sold out, that were willing to walk with us and go above and beyond. Uh, we would go to dinner before our Bible study on Wednesday nights. And so our leaders would show up with us and they would eat with us, even though we all wanted to go to a Vietnamese pho restaurant. Okay, if you've never had pho, actually technically pronounced pho, but it sounds a little weird. So if you've ever had pho, it's basically soup, okay? It's a Vietnamese soup and it's delicious. 
It was a place called Faux John's, very clear. Now it's Aji Sushi, I don't know why. Uh, but Faux John's, and we would go there for dinner, and we would partake of this delicious Vietnamese meal until one evening, okay, we would do this like every single week. They would show up even though they didn't really like it. And one week, as the waiter was bringing out these giant, literally these huge bowls of soup, of pho, just steaming hot pho, uh, he was putting it on the table, and it kind of tipped a little bit, and he dumped about half of this bowl right onto one of my leader's laps, a guy named Chris Pletcher. And Chris Pletcher got pho, literally steaming hot. Like this is, was just boiling in the kitchen, hot pho poured all over his lap. At which point, all of us, right, the high schoolers, the 11th graders, laughed because, <laughs> I mean, come on, that's hilarious. <laughs> he could be like seriously injured which makes it more hilarious, right? Like, we're so excited. And because of that, I think maybe probably because of our complete lack of empathy, uh, the waiter was a little bit thrown off. And so he dumped the foe into Pletcher's lap, and he's like, oh! And then the waiter just kind of like went like, oh, and, and walked away. <laughs> just what? Did, no apology. Uh, didn't like scurry to get like towels or anything. Just kind of walked away to get the rest of our foe. And so Chris... Pletcher, the ama- he was a college student at the time, but still somehow God gave him the grace to handle that moment with such just mercy and grace that the guy came back and was like, hey man, no, you know, no worries. Even though the guy didn't apologize anyway, but he was like, hey, no worries. Uh, but he vented a little bit, right? He's still, Chris Pletcher was still a person, still human. And so he turned to us at one point in the meal and he told us, man, he's like, because we were giving him a hard time because 11th grade guys are the worst. But he turned to us and he's like, man, I just, kind of wish he had said something a little bit more than, oh, you know. And then, of course, we then mocked Chris about that for the rest of the night. And every single time we saw him, or even in the middle of our Bible study, we would kind of turn and be like, hey, Chris, oh, 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 Chris, oh. Right? And we would just say it to him, <laughs> really for years, for years. Because 11 good guys are the worst. And so we would bring these things up and we would bring them to his mind, this hot foe. And he would always be, I mean, he was suffering. He was suffering in that moment. And we just made it worse. We were pouring salt on the foe wound, right? Just, oh, 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 right? I was just so sad for him. And he realized in that moment, oh my gosh, like, this is my life. Like, this is, this is what I've signed up for. There is suffering attached to service. There is suffering present in our lives. If you're not in suffering right now, you will face. If you have not yet faced, you will one day face suffering in your life for the sake of the gospel. And Paul says, in order to weather that storm, be ready, be grounded. Remember those people, remember those gifts, but ultimately remember the grace of God. Remember the gospel. Remember that it was nothing that you did or said that saved your soul. There's nothing we can do to make God love us more. There's nothing we can do to make him love us any less. Nothing. Paul says, remember the grace of God. That because our God, who was so rich in mercy, showed his love for us in this, that Christ died for us. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He's reminding Timothy, I'm reminding you, respond to that fact. Wrestle with that fact. As you're seeking to put yourself on the right trajectory, remember, I don't care what kind of origin you're coming from. I mean, I don't care what sort of mistakes you've made, what regrets you might have. 
Because your ultimate origin is not in this past summer. Your ultimate origin isn't in the way that you were as an 11th grade guy, which was the worst, okay? All of you. <laughs> that are guys, that is. It's not in the thing you did in junior high, or the thing you did in high school, or the thing that you did last year, or the thing that you, whatever. It's not in that. Your ultimate origin is in the fact that Jesus Christ chose you, that Jesus Christ died for you. So respond to that by trusting him as your savior, if you haven't already. Respond to that by drawing closer, nearer to him through prayer and through his word, through these times like now where you are worshiping and community, respond to that. You might be thinking, gosh, well, I, I'm, I've been missing clear community, right? I've been missing those gifts. Those things don't exist. But I, even if it's full of mistakes, even if your beginning is full of mistakes or that disappointment or that abuse or that shame, know that we all have a new beginning. We all have a new beginning thanks to Jesus Christ. So embrace it and then realize that it's still only the beginning. Realize that it's still just the origin. One that can be reinforced by Christian community, by the gifts of the Spirit. But it's still the beginning. Instead, we don't just stop there, right? We don't just stop with suffering or remembering the gospel. We then move on because Paul moves on. Paul says, Timothy, look, what I want you to do is to follow the pattern of the sound words that you've heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. Timothy, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. Timothy, grab a hold of this, of this beginning. Grab a hold of this gospel, of this truth. And Timothy, you know what you need to do with it? You take what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and then you entrust it to faithful men and women who will be able to teach others also. It says, Timothy, you've got a new beginning. But Timothy, you also have a new end. Timothy, you've got a new restored origin. Timothy, you've got a new destination. And Timothy, you know what that is? You know where you're supposed to be headed? It's not in the gifts. Right? His destination, his end is not enjoy the gifts. His destination is not be suffering, like make sure to suffer really well. It's not even in uh, grabbing a hold of things and, and guarding. It's not even in just studying the word faithfully. That's not the end. Those are important markers along the road to the ultimate destination. Those things are good and helpful and should be in part of our lives. But our end is not found in the gifts or the teaching or in the, in the study. Our end is found in entrusting what we've heard to other faithful people. Entrusting others with the gospel. Paul's telling Timothy, the God is telling us, we are called to seek God for the sake of others. That's what we're doing. That's our new end. That's our new destination. My beginning is great. And I want to get grounded in that and build it up. But then I have a new end. And my new end is to be a part of someone else's new beginning. My new destination is to be a part of someone else's origin. I am called to seek the Lord for the sake of others. That I could move into their lives and help them see the God who chose them just as he chose me. That's why Paul brought up grandma at the very beginning. Paul is saying, Timothy, 
go and trust others. Why? Remember grandma? Remember old Lois? Low, low. What'd she do? Timothy, she taught your mom. What'd she do? She taught you. Timothy, you have a new beginning, but Timothy, you have a new end, and that end is to be a part of someone else's beginning. Our destination here in college is not to find just the perfect church. Our destination is not to be in the right Bible study or the right organization. Our goal in college, our, our destination is not to have a mentor to pour into us. Those things are good. Those things are wonderful, but they are not our end goal. Those things are all just more ways to be poured into. And our destination, our end is not to be poured into more and more. It is to pour out. It's to go out. You can get lunch with a 30-year-old every week for a semester. Okay, try it. Lunch with a 30-year-old every week for a semester. And then spend the next semester leading 10 three-year-olds on a weekly basis. And then come back and tell me, which experience taught you more about the Lord? (laughs) Which experience brought more growth into your life? Now, are those both good things? Is it good to have older influences? Is it good to be in the right Bible study or whatever? Absolutely, yes. But that's not the only way that God moves. There's a trend where we're like, man, I want multi-generational stuff, and we want to reinforce that. We have men's Bible studies. We have home groups that you can join. Southwood Sunday morning, right now at Southwood, they were sitting at tables with hosts who are adults, adult couples leading those tables. If you're interested in that sort of multi-generational connection, go for it. But the reality is that many times our multi-generational mindset where we're like, I want something multi-generational. It always tends to have us, though, still at the bottom of the generations. I want to be multi-generational. I want to be uh, 20 and up, right? Paul says, Timothy, that's not your goal. Your goal is not to find bigger and bigger pools to draw from. Timothy, your goal is to go help people start new pools. I was in youth ministry for six years. And over the course of those years, I began to repent of my, oh, because I realized the pain and suffering that my youth leaders went through. And as I was in those moments, as I was hanging out with junior high kids and getting kicked in the face and whatever, it just kicked everywhere. I often ask myself, why? Why did Chris Pletcher do it? Why did he stick around? Why did he stay with us? And he actually still lives in town. So I had lunch with him and I asked him, Chris, why? Why did you do it? Why did you stick with us? Chris, how could you possibly have stayed with us when we were so terrible? And he told me it's because he and his co-leader, man, they caught this vision. They realized that their beginning wasn't an end unto itself. They realized that when they were, were growing in the Lord, learning to seek God, they learned that they were supposed to take that seeking and do it for the sake of other people. They realized that they wanted their end to be our beginning. They realized that their origin had a new destination to be in our lives. Wherever you plug in, and please plug in somewhere, but wherever you plug in, Wherever your new beginning takes place, whether you feel like you're halfway through your beginning or you're near the end of your beginning or wherever you feel like you are, if this is a brand new, fresh year, semester ahead of you that you're excited about, wherever this beginning is taking place, wherever it is, please, please, please don't just embrace this new beginning. Embrace your new end. 
please, please, wherever you wind up, wherever you find Christian community, make it a place where you can use gifts to be a part of someone else's beginning. Please. That's here at Grace. We have a nursery with little kids that desperately need to hear the gospel. They don't just need to be babysat. They need to hear the gospel. Do that. We have a youth ministry with hundreds of 7th through 12th graders who desperately need to laugh when they dump foe on your lap. I know I built that up and made it sound really wonderful, but it is. Youth ministry is really wonderful. They have a need for the gospel. Go serve with them. We have serve groups, Bible studies designed to serve the people around us. You could be, you could be a senior serving freshman. You could be serving the people around. They, they can be older than you. That's fine. But find a way to be serving, to be seeking the Lord for the sake of someone else. Even if you're in a normal Bible study. Even if this is your first time being in a Bible study, so you join a start group. Or even if you're a freshman, so you join Dulos. When you join those things, go into it. Not with the mindset of, man, what am I going to learn? What am I going to hear? Like, how do I want to just enrich my life? Walk into those Bible studies with the mindset of, how can I help the people in my Bible study grow? What kind of questions can I bring up that will help all of us? What kind of examples could I provide for my life that will help all of us? What kind of brownies could I bring? Because I'm a girl and they always do that. It's amazing. (laughs) What can I do to make these people grow together? Don't approach those studies with a selfish mindset. You are from the fact that Jesus Christ chose you, but you have a end. You have a destination to help others grow, to seek God for their sake. Please do that. This morning, we're going to sing a few more songs and worship to our God. And as we do that, we're going to have a few leaders actually standing up here. They're going to be making their way up here right about now. And they're going to be praying for you. They're just going to stand up on either side of the stage and they're going to pray for you. But if you have a specific request, if there's a specific prayer, if there's a specific issue, if there's a specific way that we could minister to you, if there's a specific question that you would like answered, please come and talk to them. Please come and let them know so that we can serve you in that way. Let's go before the Lord. God, we just thank you for what you're accomplishing already in our lives. God, we thank you for the conversations and relationships that have already happened. God, we thank you for the fact that some of us, man, this is our very final semester of college, but God, we recognize that it could still be a new beginning. That God, no matter what we're walking away from in our past, that God, we come ultimately from you. God, let us remember or find those people in our lives that can encourage us. God, let us remember or find those gifts that you've given us. If you would, take a moment and just ask the Lord uh, to maybe show you uh, a person or, or an environment. Ask God to kind of guide your thoughts right now towards maybe an area where you can serve, an area where you can be a benefit for others. Ask God to kind of give you that direction right now.